Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Hey everybody, there's a lot going on here at Tree of Life. And even though we can't gather together, there's a way you can still be involved and be connected. So make sure you're checking our app, getting on our social media all the time. Keep up to date. And we want to hear from you. We want, to let, we want you to let us know what's happening in your life. We want to be prayer, praying for you. If you have some specific requests or just some feedback on how, lives, how life is going for you, let us know. Um, I want to just give you a couple other announcements before we move into the message. Just want to let you know that everything's digital right now. So we're, our growth track is digital starting in April. You can go through our growth track, which has our membership component. So you can get online and find out more information about that. And just a reminder, every day that we have, we meet at 1230, we gather together while we can, and we have a moment of worship and prayer. I believe it's motivating, inspiring. I think it's just the right thing that you need in the middle of your day. I would also encourage you to forward the link to other people so they can get that little pick-me-up, if you will, that little boost in their spirit, man, that little encouragement uh, every day of the week. So you can do that with us as well, 1230, every day of the week. Just want to encourage you in that. Hey, today I want to look into a, a scripture in Second Chronicles 714. In, in fact, if you have been on social media and following churches or anything like that, you'll see the scripture used quite a bit, and I think it's appropriate, and it should be used a lot right now. I want to dive into it a little bit uh, from just some things that God's put on my heart for the time and season that we find ourselves in. It's actually Second Chronicles 7.14, <clears throat> and while you're turning there, I want to let you know that we are a part of a, a movement called Unite 714, and it comes from that scripture, and it's, it's a worldwide movement of prayer. Every morning at 714 and every evening at 714, uh, we're asking you to get online, get the resources, and make sure that you add your prayers to the people that are globally praying during this time for God just to intervene and God to move and work uh, during this, this global crisis. So jump online and be a part of that with us. Let's take a look at that scripture. I'll read it for you in just a moment, but let me set it up for you. It's an Old Testament passage that has New Testament or has today application. You know, the Old Testament, uh, the Bible says in Corinthians, the Old Testament gives us types and shadows and symbols, uh, reveals the New Testament, tells us that we can look at the Old Testament and find principles and application for living today. So we're going to do that this morning. Um, it goes without saying that it's been a, a crazy couple of weeks, perhaps months, depending on where you live. And, and we don't know when this is going to completely turn around. And we're all believing for the miraculous for sure. And one thing I think that we're believing that's going to really change this, and we're, we're doing all the social distancing, we should wash all the time, we should. But one thing that we know is really going to turn this thing around is a cure. And I believe that's one of the things that we need to be praying for, for science and medicine to find a cure and find a vaccine uh, to take care of the coronavirus and, and what we're dealing with today. But I also believe that's not the only answer. I believe there's, there's two sides to that. I believe we also need a spiritual awakening. We need a, a, a natural cure, if you will, but we also need a spiritual cure. We, we need to be motivated, not just for, for people to find the answer to what we're doing today. We need to be motivated to spiritually find things to do to keep our life healthy and strong as well. And it seems like that we're focusing on a lot of things that we should, like social distancing, shelter and home, quarantine, wash your hands, cancellations, do that. Please, please abide by all those rules and be honoring in that. But at the same time, let's be just as diligent in some of our spiritual disciplines or practices that will help us see a breakthrough. In fact, maybe we'll see a breakthrough spiritually, and I believe we will, a breakthrough spiritually before we see it perhaps even medically. And I think that this could perhaps be one of the greatest moments of the church, a spiritual awakening, starting an online revival, if you will, from your home that will sweep the world. And I think that is what we're looking for uh, right now alongside a cure. 
Um, Every country, every culture, every Christian needs a spiritual awakening. And in this time, again, the reason why I think that it's so significant in this time is because it will begin in your homes. We typically think of revival, if you will, or spiritual awakenings happening in a church, like a church gathering and having night after night of meetings and cities. But this one's gonna begin in your living room. This one's gonna begin with your family. If you allow yourself to engage in a spiritual awakening with what we see in 2 Chronicles 7.14, and I just wanna encourage you, that means that it will be a more lasting, it will be farther reaching than perhaps some of the spiritual awakenings that we have seen or experienced throughout history. And so really there's this sense of expectation on what God can do in the middle of the storm. And so it begins with you and I. And it's important for us to make sure we're taking the opportunity to have a spiritual awakening as well. And so God's still speaking to us. He hasn't stopped speaking. Uh, We need to maybe uh, push through some more of the noise. There's maybe more things pulling on us than before to really hear his voice. But he has never left us. He has not forsaken us. And so let me set this passage of scripture up for you in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Now Solomon had just built. Solomon is King David's son and now he is king. And he just built the temple. And now all the people, all the people of God are coming together to dedicate the temple. And in that moment of dedication, the power and presence of God fills the place. And he's just there in just an amazing way. His glory fills the church, which right now the temple is the church. And so for the first time in history at this time, God has a permanent home. He has a house, if you will. Now we know that the tabernacle, a traveling tent had traveled and God would meet with the people there. But now he's meeting in a permanent home dedicated to him and so he fills it with his glory and his presence. I wanna just talk to you for a moment about that because I believe when we look in the New Testament, we'll see that in just a moment, that we now are the temple of God. He comes to abide and dwell in you and I that receive Christ as Savior and Lord. In fact, I believe that we can create in our own home a home for God, or it really should be God's home. His pri- he is the place of priority, of most importance. And so we see in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen a promise of the Father. Now remember, every promise has a principle that there's something you need to do and then God will do what he says he will do. And so we see that in every promise in the Bible, there's an if and a then. If you do this, then God will do this. And Solomon is, uh, had just dedicated the temple, God moved in a powerful way, and then God is speaking to his people. Let's take a look in Second Chronicles 7, 14. Here's what the word says. Now notice it starts out by saying, if, that's the beginning, knowing here's a promise, here's the condition, the principle to it. If my people, God says, my people, not the world, not the land, but of his people, those who call him Savior and Lord, that he is their God. Meaning that this spiritual awakening that this world needs today needs the church to rise up and be faith-filled and trust God. Now we know, again, we're taking social responsibility and we should, but the church needs to take some spiritual responsibility here. If my people, the people of God, who are called by by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then, when that happens, if the church will do that, then, Here's the promise attached to the principle. I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. The whole world is in the middle of a crisis. And God's saying, I want my people right now to rise up. Rise up in faith. Rise up in believing God. Don't sit idly by. If this is going to turn, his people need to rise up. God's people do. Again, we need a spiritual awakening, and it begins with us. We need to be socially distant but not spiritually distant. And that just doesn't mean close to God, it means close to our brothers and sisters. Actually, we can be spiritually distant with other people 
through the online, through digital forums, and just by praying for them. People that don't even believe God. The church, we can be spiritually uh, distant, uh, we can be spiritually close, rather. We can be spiritually close to them, spiritually close to God and spiritually close to others. We need to make sure that we're socially distant but not spiritually distant. I know, I was thinking about being six feet away. Oh, we were at HEB and, and they had uh, tape that six feet away that we had to stand in line that way and I'm thankful for that. And I thought about all the things we're doing to be socially responsible and I, I keep thinking about all the things we need to do to be spiritually responsible. So I was thinking about being six feet away and I was thinking then, so maybe with that principle, six feet away uh, for six minutes you pray and then read six scriptures a day. That was just kind of an easy thing to remember to be spiritually responsible. So six feet away, Six minutes a day, pray. Six scriptures a day. And I thought, I thought, wow, how, how, what a great way to be spiritually responsible. And then I thought, well, wait a minute. That's 666. Maybe that's the wrong spirit there we're talking about. <laughs> okay, well, you know, the interesting thing is I got about as much of a laugh as I would have with a full building today. But I'm prepared with technology today. How about that, how about that laugh track, guys? Come on. <laughs> there we go. So you know what? Hey, even when we can gather together again, I'm keeping that. Because sometimes when my, when my jokes, they bomb, and they do, it's really quiet in here, but that's gonna help encourage me. And sometimes I just need to amen myself, I think. But I wanna encourage you, a spiritual awakening, being spiritually responsible, begins with God's people. Second uh, Chronicles 7, 14 says, I wanna start an awakening. God wants to start a spiritual awakening with my church, and he wants his church to rise up and believe him. So remember, Solomon is dedicating God's house, the house of God, and then God responds by giving him a promise. Now again, we know that's for us today. Because when you look at 1 Corinthians and, and chapter three, and, and I didn't put that in your notes, you can go there later. It talks about we are the temple. We are God's temple, the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are, are his dwelling place. So if we will dedicate ourselves, just like we're seeing the picture here, we're dedicating our homes today, we can dedicate ourselves before we end the service. Today, you can dedicate your home. We can start a spiritual awakening today by dedicating the place that God dwells, your, yourself and your home and see God's spiritual awakening begin and, and come from all that. We can see the beginning of it and it will sweep the globe, I believe. And so you can see it in a couple of ways. It's all about your perspective. So you can see it as being socially restricted, but you can be spiritually restarted. You can see it as being in a social quarantine, but you can start a spiritual awakening. You can see it as a social uh, denial, but it can lead to a spiritual revival. You can see it as being a social refusal, but being a spiritual renewal. And I just wanna encourage you today, it's all about perspective. When you dedicate yourself, you look at it through the lens of God instead of the lens of this world. And so it all starts with your house, you and your house. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. it said again, if, if you will humble yourself, surrender to God, if you will pray, call out to him, talk to him, if you'll seek his face, put him first, you will turn from the worldly ways, walk with God. And so let's take a look at the rest of that scripture in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. the second half, the promise says this, then, remember we started with an if, now a then, then I will hear from heaven, God says, I'll forgive their sin and I will heal their land. He'll hear you, you can know that if you position yourself with that principle and act on it, that God hears you. Your cries aren't unheard, your cries aren't empty, they're not just bumping against the ceiling. And you're in a world that so many things are happening, God can hear through all the craziness and chaos of the world, he can hear you if you will position yourself that way. He'll hear your cry, he'll forgive you, and he'll heal your land, he'll heal your home, he'll heal you, your family, your relationships. Again, you and I today are not limited 
to the situation, we can trust God. And we can do that because of the work that Jesus did on the cross, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But his promise, this promise still holds true today. It's applicable in our today. God is still for us, and he wants to bring a healing in the land, not just your land, not just your home, not just your state, your country, but the world. He wants to bring healing, and he wants to do it through his church by starting a spiritual awakening. Now, we can see that, un, that, that spiritual awakening beginning in our home. We can see how that can happen. We just gotta, as the promises, apply it, do the then part. And also realize this, I was thinking about that passage. It says, if my people, if God's people, and then the then is for all people. And I think sometimes we think if this country, if the, if the people that aren't walking with God, if the people that aren't honoring God, if the people are living a worldly life or a wicked life, if they will turn, well, you know what? They may or may not turn. But that doesn't keep a spiritual awakening from happening. In fact, if God's people will begin a spiritual awakening, then all people will be blessed and benefit from it. God will reach out and embrace others. God will be able to connect with other people during that time. And I believe that's what God's inviting us to do. Now, to really understand verse 14, I think we have to take a look at verse 13. So we look at the scripture before and we look at the scriptures after to fully understand what's taking place here. And so in verse 13, Solomon has dedicated, as we already said, the house of God and God's power and presence and glory had filled the place. And, and there's a win. And then after that happens, there's a win and God's speaking here. And so verse 13 is a little difficult. Let me just tell you before we get into it, because it really raises some questions that people are answering today. And most of us don't want to tackle these questions. And I think questions are good. I think God likes it when you ask him questions, especially the things that are happening today, some of the questions we get. So let's take a look at 2 Chronicles 7, 13. We'll read 13 and 14, then we'll talk about it. Here's what it says. When, and this is God speaking, so it begins with a when. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people. It says that if they will humble themselves, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Now, there's two questions that really are raised today. And part of it could come out of maybe verse 13, which is why people don't typically talk about it. But I think to fully understand the principle and the promise and what God wants to do, we need to talk about it. And in today's world, I hear the two questions I hear most frequently are getting asked is this, number one, is God judging the world through this? Is God judging the world or bringing judgment on the world? Are we in the last days or is he judging people right now because uh, of, of the way the world is, the wickedness, if you will, is God using this to judge people? And the second question is this, if God is loving and good, then why is this happening? Or why is he allowing this to happen? And I think those are great questions. And God's okay with your questions. And I think there's genuineness in asking those today. I've heard all kinds of stuff, as you have, about end times and about judgment. And really, we always hear that. We hear that quite regularly. In fact, if you can think back through tsunamis and hurricanes and earthquakes, and and we know that drought is is, uh, in places in the land, famine is in places in the land, pestilence or plagues of locusts, and we even know that disease and pandemics have come and will come in the future. We know all those things are happening. And I think it always raises the question for you and I that is God judging the world and if he's a good God, then why is this happening? And I think the question was, to me, I wanna address first is if he is a loving and good God, then why is this happening? And what we see in Second Chronicles is we're seeing a group of people gathering together, dedicating the house of God. 
the power and presence of God filling the place, then God addressing the people, talking about these things we just discussed, and then talking about a promise. Now, the people of that day were actually looking ahead into the future, and they were looking uh, ahead to uh, an event that would happen perhaps 900 years later, around 900 years. In fact, what they're doing is they're looking into the future. All they know is the context that they've been living to that time, and they're looking into the future. It is 900 years, almost 1,000 years later that Jesus is born on the planet. So they're looking ahead 900 years before the birth of Jesus, before the arrival of the Son of God, and they're engaging in God in the context that they know him. But that's not the lens that we look through today, that you and I look through. We're looking backward. They're looking forward to something that hasn't happened yet, and we're looking backward to something that already happened almost 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, where Christ came to the cross, came to the planet, went to the cross, died, was resurrected. They're looking ahead to something that hasn't happened yet. We're looking behind to an event that already happened. And when we're looking on the timeline right now of history, right in the middle, a thousand years almost ahead of them, 2,000 years almost behind us, we see standing on that timeline the cross. And that is the difference. It is the cross of Jesus. We're looking back at history. They're looking forward. And what we see standing there 2,000 years behind us, 1,000 years before them, is the cross where Jesus Christ, the Son of God, gave his life for the sins of the world. Where he was judged by God for the sins of the world. And on that cross, he was forsaken, he was punished, he was abused, he was judged so we could be forgiven and invited into the family of God. He was condemned under the judgment of God so that we could receive through faith his grace and his mercy. We look back and see the sacrifice. We see the great love. We see the great link that God went to and the great love extended and forgiveness and mercy to you and I today. Today we look through a different lens and we see the mercy and grace of God. And so you might say and ask, okay, well, what difference does it make to the question, if God is loving and good, why is this happening? Well, let me say it this way. It takes the if out of the question. When you can look back on history and see the cross, it takes the if God is good. Just by what the cross was to you and I, the judgment of God on his son for the sin of mankind and the judgment being paid for there, you see it takes the if out of if God is good. God is good. And so why is all this happening then? If God is good, why is all this happening? Well, just to be quite honest, there's two parts to that. Number one, the answer is found, the choices that men make. Men are making choices. A broken humanity are making choices today. And the second part of that is we live in a broken world. In fact, the Bible talks about the world is groaning and crying out for, for, for Jesus to return again and to be restored and to be renewed, to be reborn, if you will. And so there's groanings and, and crying out that the earth, the planet does, that the Bible speaks of. So there's a broken world and a broken humanity that are making choices. And so until Jesus returns to a broken world with a broken humanity, we're in a season of mercy. So it's a broken world with broken humanity. The good news is that God extends mercy to mankind and that's the season we're in. And we might think, well, I thought we were in a season of pandemic right now. And there's a season where things are happening based on that. And that's true. But also with that, there's a season of mercy that we walk in if we'll choose to grab a hold of that, God's mercy and grace. Because the reality is that we see the choices of man that we know just from research, and I'm certainly no expert, that bats carry this virus that's infecting the world today. 
and it's somewhere in a market around the world that, uh, that, that bats were, were somewhere around um, pangolins, or I didn't even pronounce that right, but another animal, and somehow they transmitted that disease to that animal, that other animal, that pangolin, pangolin then uh, was, uh, it was transmittable to humans. So man made choices of putting that together and engaging in that and however that came about. So God didn't create this. Man's choices. These weren't God's decisions. These were the decisions of men. And man makes decisions like that every day. You and I make decisions that have just uh, loss or pain associated with it every day in our life. We're making choices. We're making decisions that, that create loss and pain in our life. Maybe not on that scale, but still, we experience some of those things. But you and I can always count on one thing. There's a God in the middle of this broken world. There's a God in the middle of broken humanity that is loving and good and he's reaching out. It's not even really the question anymore. Is, did God do this? Is, it is, is God reaching out in this time? And I would say yes. And so we know this again because we can look back at the cross. And because of the cross, we can understand that he takes the worst circumstances and somehow turns them around for a greater good. The cross still speaks today. And I'm not denying or belittling what's happening in our world. It is real and it is serious and we need to address it as so. But we also need to know so is the mercy of God. It is real and it is powerful and it is alive and it is available to you. In fact, when we talk about the question about so is God judging the world, well, we can look at his word. There's many places that we can see that in the New Testament that say God's goodness, talks about God's goodness. In fact, Romans 2 says it's God's kindness. God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. It's the goodness of God that leads people to change their way. It's the kindness, it's the goodness. It's not judgment, it's not punishment. Notice it doesn't say it's not the hammer of God. It's not the beatings of God. It's not the judgment of God that reaches out to you to change your way. It is the goodness of God. And so God is reaching out. The way he's reached out is he's given himself. He's given his son. He's given his uh, unconditional love. He's given his patience. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Despite our rebellion, despite our sin, he keeps reaching. But there will come a day, make no mistake about it, there will come a day, the Bible's also very clear, that all of us will stand before a holy God, a righteous God, face to face. And in that moment, we all will have wanted the covering of the sacrificial lamb, Jesus, his blood, will all have wanted to be covered by his grace and his mercy that comes because of the cross. Instead of asking, is this God's judgment? We should ask, is this a time when God is reaching out to the whole world and giving himself, giving his best to them? This isn't about God judging the world. This is about God offering mercy to you and I. In fact, the most famous scripture in the Bible, perhaps, John 3, 16, says this, and I'm sure we can all quote it, but it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life or life everlasting. That is the heart of God. That is who God is. He's made a way. The truth is he's extended a way because of his unconditional great love for humanity, for all of us to receive his grace and mercy in eternal life. And my hope is that all of us will um, answer the invitation that he's extended in that one day. But that's not all of it. There's another verse right behind it, John 3, 17, that I, bring, I believe helps bring it even in a little bit clearer. Let's take a look at that. John 3, 17 says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He did not send his son Jesus to condemn the world, but to save the world. God is not here judging the world. He is saving the world. There's no doubt this is a wake-up call for all of us, this world, uh, but this is also a wake-up call 
for all of us to know and engage in the grace and mercy of God and know that it's available to all of us. If you'll just turn to God and humble yourself and pray and seek his face and turn from your ways and you'll find healing. See, for your life, for your family, for your marriage, for our cities, for our nation, for the world. God is reaching out to the world and he's reaching out to you. God is closer than you think he is. He's always right there. And he wanted to say, he would say this more than anything else, I am reaching out to you. I made you. I love you. I'm with you. I'm for you. All you have to do is look at the cross. Let's go back and finish in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Now, I said you need to read the previous scripture, 13. We did, we did that. And then you need to read the, the following scriptures, 15 and 16, to really fully understand this. So let's take a look again, and starting in verse 14, at the promise, the principle and the promise here. Here's where it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. What a great principle and promise. But it doesn't stop there. God says, when you engage in this way, in verse 14, you come to that place of humbling yourself, calling out to him, I'm desperate for you, God. I can't do this on my own in surrender. You're praying and talking to him, crying out to him. You're seeking his face, putting him as a priority, focused on him. You're turning from your ways or the ways of the world. And it goes on to say, then he hears you and then he forgives you and then he brings healing into your life and your land. But it doesn't stop there. Look what it says. And this all happens again after a dedication of the temple or the house or the house of God, your house. He says this in verse 15. Now, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers you offered in this place. The prayers you offered in your home, when you dedicate yourself, when you dedicate your house today to God and you humble yourself and you pray and you seek his face and you turn from the worldly ways, the worldly things that maybe we've allowed into ourselves, maybe we've allowed into our home, he hears that and he brings forgiveness for that. He wipes the slate clean, a fresh start, a spiritual renewal, a spiritual awakening and he comes and brings healing and now his eyes and his ears are open and attentive to your prayers, the prayers that you pray in your home. And then he goes on to say this in 16. I have chosen and consecrated this temple. He wants, you are chosen people. Your home is a chosen house for him to live and dwell. His presence and power there. He's chosen your home. He's consecrated it with his presence so that his name may be there forever. Beware forever in your home, in the temple that you've dedicated. That your house is a place where the life, love, and power of God rules and reigns. Where Jesus is the name lifted up above everything else. Where Jesus is spoken in your home. The first thing out of your mouth in the midst of a crisis in your home is the name of Jesus. And no matter what's happening around you, What's happening in your home is a shelter, a refuge from the storm of life where the name of Jesus is lifted up. He says, so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there, always. He will never leave you or forsake you. So dedicate yourself. Dedicate your home today. We'll have an opportunity to do that. And allow God to come in through your humbling of yourself, through your praying and asking him, through your seeking, putting him first place, through your, your time then of that, of turning and, and turning from what, consecrating, getting rid of some of the stuff that shouldn't be there. And then he hears you, forgives you, heals your land, heals your place, your marriage, your family starts again. Then his heart, he hears your cries, he hears your voice, his heart will ever be there. I Love that. What an amazing promise that is. But it has a principle that we have to follow and act out. But you know what I think? One of the greatest things about 2 Chronicles 7.14, it really is a salvation plan. It really is. It's the beginning for all of us. 
It's the beginning place, dedicating ourselves. If you have never made Jesus your Savior and Lord, and maybe you have, but you've gotten away from things that you can come back. But 2 Chronicles 7, 14 to me is a picture of the cross. It's a picture of the cross. There at the cross, we humble ourselves, that we fall to our knees, if you will, and we say, I can't do this without you, God. I need you. I've tried it on my own. I tried to do it myself, but I need you. And then we pray and we ask him, God, I don't even know what to pray. You just cry out to him. You just speak to him. You just talk to him. Help me, God. And you seek his face. Then now sudden, he's the priority. You're putting him first. You're giving him the place in your home, in your life that he deserves to be. And that is the priority. And then you turn from your other ways. I'm not going there anymore. I'm leaving the past in the past. I'm not going to live that way. We're not going to live that way in this home. We're not going to allow that in our home anymore. We're not going to live that way. We're starting forward. We're starting from this point forward. A spiritual renewal, a spiritual restart, a fresh awakening. And then the Bible says that he hears you. And you can be rest assured that God hears you. He didn't overlook you. He won't overlook you. When you cry out to him, when you do these things, he hears you. And then it says he forgives you. He answers that. And he brings healing and restoration into your life. His response is he will hear your prayer, your cry. He will forgive your sin. And he will heal your land. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.